Hi everyone, welcome to the Natural Curiosity Project. I'm Steve Shepard. So Joe, one of the things we talk about on a fairly regular basis is leadership and the implications of leadership and the elements of leadership. But in a conversation I had with someone the other day, this, this idea of the difference between leadership and those who lead came up. And I thought that was a kind of an interesting differentiation, if you will. You got thoughts on that? Yeah, it is an interesting question. I mean, I think the first thing I would say is that anybody can play a leadership role or anybody can lead. Some folks have that in their job description. It's expected of them, and they dedicate a lot of their time to it. But we see in organizations um, uh, folks leading throughout the organization at various levels. Um, and uh, it might be because uh, of the role that they're in. They, there might be a project and they're taking a lead role. They might have some expertise and they're brought into you know, a, a meeting where they need to lead in that case. But I think in general what I want to say is that um, there ought not to be much of a difference between the two. We should really ask the question, um, what is the function of leadership? And then look at uh, how that aligns with leading. Okay, now before you go there, we have in many cases run up against uh, situations where a person has the title of leader mm -hmm. but doesn't lead. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, how does that happen? Um, okay, so, boy, that's a great question. I mean, I think in general the reason why it happens is because they have built a structure um, and they're putting people into slots based on that structure but there isn't a guiding principle, there, aren't, there isn't a vision, there isn't a set of values, there isn't a role really for leading. So they, they're given the title, but they haven't been trained um, or they're not expected to perform the functions of that, of that title. Okay. Right? And, and it, it kind of is the same question that I like to ask is what's the difference between a manager and an executive and a leader? And a lot of people will say, well, manager's more tactical and a leader's more strategic. And then when they get to executive, they really don't know how to answer the question, okay? And so it's a job title that a lot of people aren't even sure what it means. And I think that also happens in some companies when they're given a leadership role, but they haven't been taught how to lead. It's unclear, really, that they're going to be good at it. Well, we've run into the situation where you have someone who is a leader. They've been promoted, realistically, into the role of leadership. But they tend to be tactical. They tend to act tactically right. and sometimes think tactically. And oftentimes, there's no fault involved here. It's just that they grew up through the organization. They grew up being tactical as That's a manager. Right. And they're comfortable with it. So they want to continue to do tactical things because it gives them a sense of accomplishment and so on in their jobs. And it's more tangible than, than the role of a leader, which is a little bit more fluffy, if you yep. will, in terms of how well can I see my progress as I go forward. So you referred to, you know, what does it mean to be a leader? What is leadership? What do you see as the characteristics of a good leader? So I, I've got a few that I want to share, um, but I also want to comment before I do that or kind of in conjunction, Steve, with your, your last statement, because it's a good one that, you know, I think that leaders still do tactical things. Um, I don't think that it's black and white. I'm a manager. I'm not strategic. I'm a leader. I'm never tactical. I, I don't, you know, I think it's a combination. The challenge for the leader is what ratio of your time do you spend strategically and what ratio of your time of your time do you spend actually proactively deliberately attempting to lead because the tactical piece is always easy 
And the tactical piece will consume every hour of your day if you let it. So the leader has to be more deliberate about how they spend their time and what portion of it is dedicated to leading. So with that segue, I would say things that I I think um, go hand-in-hand with leadership is uh, conveying vision or direction, Um, sharing with people what you stand for, why you're in business, what your beliefs are. That's the whole value piece. And then linking those values to your activities, to your tactics, to the way you engage in, in the market. A big disconnect that leaders can help with is making sure that the tactics and the specific activities that the organization is undertaking directly link back to the vision and the values. Okay, And that's a big miss, but it's an easy thing to correct. And a lot of times it's just asking the question, how does this align with our, our vision? How does this align with our values? Um, what activity do we need to adjust to be sure that we can move forward in a way that supports what we stand for? Um, Here's another one, explaining the why. Not just what we do and how we do it, but why. What are are our beliefs? You know, today, customers want to understand um, who the organization is that they're working with, what they believe in. They're looking for an alignment beyond the product, okay? And the reason why is because they have a lot of choices, and so in order for them to have loyalty, it's going to take more than product performance. And the vast majority of those organizations, especially on the sales side or the marketing side, tend to focus, I won't say exclusively, but very heavily on this is what we make, this is what we do, we're really good at it, so you should buy from us. That's exactly right. And there's nothing differentiable in that statement. It's really hard to differentiate at that level. Um, So if you can add to that, this is what we believe in, this is why we're in business, this is our philosophy and how we serve our customers, if you can add those things in, then the customer gets a more holistic understanding of you, and they're not just buying the product, they're buying you and the product together. And that's a huge differentiator. Culture is what we're really talking about, and culture is the most difficult thing for your competitor to duplicate. And that's the role of the leader, you know, is to deliberately, proactively develop the culture in a way that um, differentiates from the competitors. Yeah, we often say, you know, we kind of chant this mantra that says it all starts with values, right? Personal and professional values, not just your own, but those of the organization you work for. Those values in essence, direct or compel leadership to create a vision, a particular vision that's in alignment with those values that speaks to the the future. You're going to talk, I know, in a minute about status quo and creating a new one. That that future vision is part, I believe, of what drives the culture forward. And it's the culture that really is magnetic to customers. They see that and they're comfortable with it or they're attracted to it or they're intrigued by it. And they want to know more. They want to be involved. They want to be part of it and so on. And I think that that continues to be an important part of what we do. That's exactly right. And, you know, to sum that up a little bit, I would say today the market really expects you to walk the talk. In the old days, I hate to say it, but it was easy to just make promises, okay, to talk the talk. Now, especially with social media and the level of information that we have available um, to explore who the company is that we're choosing to work with, we are really testing to make sure that they're walking the talk, that they're really living what they claim they believe in. 
And so there is a desire, actually, to separate the uh, promise from the delivery of the promise. It's easy to make the promise. It's hard to deliver the promise. And so that's part of, you know, what's going on. And that does, you know, bring into the status quo. So a leader should be saying, hey, you know what? There's a better way. There's a better place. There's a promised land I want to take you to. There is a different, better status quo. Um, And they should always be pushing to move the organization in that direction. And it doesn't mean that the vision is attainable. The vision provides direction. It's like the North Star. We use it to navigate, but our goal isn't to ever arrive at the North Star. Yeah, we joke about the fact that, you know, there's a reason we have the statement mission accomplished. We don't have vision accomplished. Exactly. Because you never accomplish the vision. That's exactly right. Okay. And, And that sounds lofty, but it also is inspirational and it guides the organization. So here's another question. If you have a big organization, and I would say really, um, Even anything more than a few hundred people, it becomes very difficult to get everybody to do what you want them to do. Okay, you as a leader, you can't run around and say, hey, listen to me, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. So instead, what you have to do at a high level is you have to inspire them to make good independent decisions that are guided by your vision. This is the Disney example. Yes. Disney examples, uh, their vision is uh, to make people happy. So now whether I'm wearing a Mickey Mouse outfit or whether I'm an executive or whether I'm someone who's responsible for cleaning up the park at night, I can associate my job with the goal of making people happy. And that's much more powerful than giving me a list of do's and don'ts that I must and must not do in order to be successful in my job. And far less complicated. Far less complicated. So it's empowering people. But there's, you know, there's a fear of leaders that, geez, you know, I'm maybe giving people too much control, but in reality, you have to empower them and you have to trust them. You can't micromanage them or else you won't scale your business and you won't achieve a genuine connection with your customers. Okay. So there's one last thing that I want to say, Steve. A key thing for leaders is to listen, to listen to their customers, listen to their employees, listen to their team, listen to the market. You know, they do have a role with a microphone where they're, they're you know, conveying information, but equally as important is to constantly be listening to others. And, you know, tied to that, Joe, is something that we talk about. You know, when we, when we teach uh, the, the executive storytelling workshops about creating the strategic initiative, one of the things we tell people is that there's a big difference between hearing and listening. Mm-hmm. Everybody hears. But few actually listen, and yes. you know that's true. I mean, we you know we do a lot of uh, we do a lot of ambient recording. You know, you walk out into a forest, unless you stop and deliberately listen, you're not going to hear the cacophony of bird sounds and animal sounds and wind in the trees and everything else. And so you miss the real experience, right? right? Well, the same is true in a business setting. If you don't deliberately, and we use that word a lot, if you don't deliberately listen then you're going to miss a lot of the really important conversation about your business that you could use as a leader to sort of set the pace and drive the vision and set the goals and so on. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And often people are listening for what they want to hear, and that that affects what they don't hear. Yeah. Yeah. So those are good challenges for a leader. Let me put you on the spot and ask you another question, which I think is a kind of an interesting one that might take us in just a slightly different direction, and that is, at what point does tactical become strategic? Because you said earlier that, that leaders do both, but yep. nece- you know, necessarily. I mean, we all do that, right? But at what point does a tactical idea become a strategic idea? Okay, I think I can answer this. Um, let me start off by saying that strategy should really be how you achieve your goal. Okay, so it's, and, and ideally it's how you achieve your vision. Okay, so it's an overarching, high-level 
approach. It doesn't have a lot of detail. As a result, your strategy doesn't change often. It's one of those things that you can keep in place for a long time by tweaking your tactics. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Um, Proactive is an anti-acne product uh, targeted mostly for teenagers to to cure their acne, to give them a clear complexion. So their strategy is to um, convince people that the product works and that they should try it. So the whole strategy is all around getting people to try it because they feel if they try it, they'll like it, and then they'll become uh, happy customers. And so that really links to their vision, and their vision is they believe that people can have clear complexion, that teenagers don't have to have acne, okay? So the tactics change all the time. They use testimonials, for example. Um, Well, they might use a popular pop singer uh, this year, and next year they might use, you know, an artist for a testimonial. They have uh, before and after photos of actual customers. Um, They use uh, the web. They use infomercials. All of those are tactics, but I would say they're strategic tactics because they're tied into supporting the overarching strategy and they fall into um, a clear plan. They're not random, okay? So every single tactic that they use, as different as it may be, links back to a strategy. And that's how a tactic can become strategic. What we see often, though, is we see tactics that either A, aren't linked to a strategy, or they're linked strategically to a project, but that project isn't linked to the overarching strategy. And in big companies, this happens all the time where they get very disconnected. And then those tactics are um, lots of good effort, lots of hard work, but they don't tie into an overarching theme. So I've heard you say on more than one occasion that there's no such thing as a strategic plan, that it's, right. it's, it's an oxymoron. To why? Well, uh, so strategy, as I say, uh, should be guiding the plan, but it's not the plan. Okay? Um, I get what people are Meaning when they say strategic plan, they're saying this is a smart plan, this is a well-thought-out plan, this is a plan for the long term. That's what they're meaning to say. But the reality is your strategy should be separate from your planning, and your strategy should guide your planning, but it's not the same thing. And therefore, your planning can change and adapt as the market changes and adapts, but your strategy doesn't. Okay, So if I'm proactive, I don't suddenly say, um, oh, because there's a new way of advertising, I'm no longer going to use testimonials. I'm going to abandon my strategy. Or because there is you know, a new technology um, for curing acne, I'm going to suddenly uh, not believe people shouldn't have, uh, should have clear skin. Those things don't change. It's just how I deliver that message. It's how I execute my plan. So, so in effect, the plan is a recipe. The strategy is the cake that results. Yes. Right. And so the minute the strategy becomes a plan, it's no longer a strategy. It's, That's exactly it's now be, right. It's now become sort of a, an instruction set to get you or a set of steps that are going to get you to the strategy that right. you're attempting to achieve. That's exactly right. And then you lose focus on what you're really trying to accomplish. Got it. Right? Got it. All right. Very good. Thank you, Joseph. Appreciate your time. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much.